You had a conversation with the German foreign minister? Yes, in German. Yes. Thank you very much. Hanra, 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 Hanra. Good Lord. Impressive, aren't they? That is slices go. They are mightily. Let's do this again, but don't mention um, don't mention slices for a bit until it'll sound sexual. What? Oh my God, they're they're amazing. They're gymnasium, gymnasium slices. That's all I'm saying from Soho Coffee. That is that after is. shredding my buys and tries. That is for you lot. That's amazing. You that know, is a. Are you not having one then? Um, <laughs> I'll have half of one. One of them looks really? quite fruity. It is fruity. That one. Did that is fruity. If we want, how many sit-ups do we have to do to burn off the same amount of calories? I told you my. Whatever it's yes, what I know. You but what's, that? what's it called? Is that a text or not? On message. 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 4,000. 4,000. 4,000 sit-ups you have to do. Is that, is that real slice. or are you, Depending are you making a Depending on which slice you have. Depending on which slice you have. Oh, is that right? Which is... Although 4,000 of your sit-ups would probably not compare to 4,000 I think you find they're called crunches. A real man's. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, we start yeah. with uh, this hastily arranged but completely yes. non-contrived and natural banter. Um, well, it is natural in the sense we've not scripted it. Yes, that yeah. is true. Um, and it, it, it's, it's better than banter, surely. It's just a conversation. Yeah. In that, I'm, I'm actually trying to now provide some sort of scripted element to it, and yeah. I can't get round to exactly. it. It's so, so that's natural. How, that's how it works. Yeah. It's yeah, chatter. It, in fact, all you're doing, banter. All, all you're, all you're, all you're doing here, Hugh, is exposing the reasons normally your contributions are so polished. Exactly. Is because they're typed out on your mouth. I mean, they the irony are. is that I hate the fact that as soon as you do anything that's not, I, I hate this kind of you can't do that. It's banter. This sort of the anti banter movement. I'm anti banter in that sense. Yeah. I, you know, I would never subscribe to Unilad, for example. But <laughs> the this idea that it, that people talking and joking is is automatically banter and therefore bad really annoys me. What so we should we be reclaiming the word? I, I think no, no, no. We should be not using you should, the. Word. You don't use the word. You just have yeah, a yeah, conversation, and occasionally you might try and say something funny. Well, that's why I said time that. in the company I, of some lovely people. I just wonder whether you were correcting me. And having suggested that banter was not the word to use, because it's, it's the, not quite banter, is it? You're right. The quality right. of our, our, our engagement transcends. Well, I'd when say you put people down. I'm criticising your trousers. You criticise my hairdo. That's yeah. banter. Robbie Savage does dressing banter. room yes. banter. Yeah. What we do is is, is refined conversation. Badinage. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's somewhere between <laughs> conversation and repartee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, having anyway, what, said all of that, what do you want? <laughs> um, you will. Uh, you'll know that what follows the banter is um, is. Then an introduction. Yes. When we say hello. Um, well, a few days ago, when I was preparing the script mm. for uh, this week's episode, um, I got an exasperated message on WhatsApp, Chinch, yeah. because a WhatsApp is a message. message. Okay. Um, about having to do some work in her office that she wasn't enjoying doing. So I said, "Well, I tell you what." From Gemma, did I not say my no, wife? No, no, you didn't right, qualify. So it was the wife. But it's because it's not written down, so I can't construct <laughs> yeah, sentences yeah, exactly. unless they are. Good job it wasn't Mrs. Whiplash, wasn't it? <laughs> okay. Anyway, carry She's on. She's not on the WhatsApp. That, that, is a, that is a reference for a previous generation. <laughs> it is. Excellent one. Very quick to mind, you yeah. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. And so I said, well, I'll do you a deal. If you write my script, I will do your work for you. Never, of course, thinking that she would take me up on the offer no. because there was no way that I could possibly do her work because I'm not qualified. Yeah. Gemma, however... In procrastinating and to not do her work, she provided this. Welcome to Set Piece Menu, where four friends talk football over food. With me, Hugh Ferris, and some other white middle-class men who actually have no footballing skills, Andy Hitchcliffe included, but fancy themselves (laughs) as subject matter experts. Over the next hour, we will talk as if this sport is an intellectual topic, as well as bore you with some other nonsensical tangents around dogs, children, and Sean Dyche. Then we will fade out on some completely forced conversation that the BBC would term as banter. Please give us a five-star review on your iTunes, because quite frankly, our wives may leave us if we don't start making money out of this venture. 
Right. So, um, Is that the work of Gemma Ferris? <laughs> you can't really argue with a lot of no. that, can you? It's always nice when somebody else uh, knows us a little bit better than we know ourselves. Yeah. W- to, 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 um, to peel back the curtain, the layers, I showed a picture of that message to my wife, Kate, who laughed at the appropriate points, uh, said, well done, Gemma, and then just said, she's right, you know. <laughs> That's Which was quite menacing, Unfortunately, really. why yeah. it's funny. This is indeed Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. Chinch, would you please do us an M&S advert job of your large and calorific slices? I'm not doing the sexy voice. I can't possibly no. do. You no, can't not camp. do the sexy voice. Is that camp, is it? That's just a camp Kenneth whisper. Williams, is it? Okay. Uh, well, what we have are four a quartet of slices, sweet treats. They are... I don't really think descending order or ascending order. I'm not sure which one I put at the top. Anyway, we have a chocolate caramel shortcake. Classic, really. Millionaire shortbread. A millionaire, millionaire shortbread. shortbread, yeah. But they, they don't say it's that at the gym. And the next one is a kind of a chocolate brownie slice to the max. Yeah. It's been loaded with stuff on the top. I'm, I don't even... I can't even guess. It what looks like it's been rocky road. It's been it does. Yeah. It doesn't there say. We, yeah. Then we have, for the health conscious, we have the raspberry and coconut Ooh, slice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end here, very interesting one. This the pecan and treacle. I was going to say look treacly. Sl- yeah. Oh, you saw that, did you? Look treacly. Slice. Yeah. yeah. So I know Hugh, you can't eat chocolate. I can't have the rocky road one really. So I that basically. Would you have the millionaire shortbread? I would have the millionaire shortbread. Well, I would have any of the other three. Why? That's got chocolate on it. Yes, but it's in enough of a small constituent part that I can. It's literally a third of it. No, I think if you look at it, it's How? actually quite thin on the oh, top. He's it really making it sound like this very gracious, gracious of him. Oh, well, go on. I will eat that particular cake that comes slathered yeah. yeah. so, in chocolate, but other, as, as other chocolate-based you, cakes as I've I will not As I've spoken to you before, cold and hard is absolutely fine. <laughs> We've heard okay. that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Soft, spongy, and potentially warm, that's, that's where I, I that, say no. That's okay. a no-no. So you'll notice that on the Rocky Road slice, yeah. a large constituent part is a spongy... Cooked chocolate. Cooked sponge, yeah. chocolate. Okay. So that is that is the discrepancy that I make, and I hope that's very clear to everybody, and you understand my very, very understandable reservations. Enough of this nonsense. Which slice are you going to I'm choose? I'm happy to wait first. for No, others. no, no. You've got first choice. Don't look at anybody else. Just look at the slices and choose your favourite. Which did you say it. was the least calorific? I didn't. The, the raspberry one. It's got raspberries in it. For, for the health conscious. I'll have the raspberry one. Oh, for plans? the health conscious, because I'm health conscious. No, you're just doing I'm, that to, I'm, sound, I'm to sound good to our listeners. My you're not. You're the most unhealthy person I've ever known. Could we not cut them? Right. You sweat lard. <laughs> we could cut them, but I think Chinch is looking to create some friction. <laughs> right. <with the> slice. <laughs> yeah. This is this is very much part of what is this is, so? other people yeah. like. Is this his pitch to become a producer of Love Island? With Here. me, Hugh Ferris, ah, writer Rory Smith, a heady mix of ramshackle and refined. Commentator Steve Wyeth, who combines the mellifluous with the mardi. And Andy Hinchcliffe. <laughs> Who, if you put together the international careers of Gabby Agbonlehor and Gary Bertels, you still fall short of Chinch's incredible haul of seven England caps. Chinch, you remember when Gary Bertels did the Sky Co commentary? And then, you know, now you do it. Yeah. Do you feel like that's an upgrade? I, did, I didn't actually realise that that had happened, but it has, hasn't it? Yes, you are Gary Bertels. Wow. Your Without beard, the fancy shirts, he does He does, he does rock. do the shirts, but he also did the beard. So that, that you share. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, thank you for all your votes for the Fo- Football Supporters Federation Podcast of the Year Award. We are nominated. Did we say? Did we say? Did we say? We, we men- are saying. We mentioned it in passing last week. Uh, you can either follow the link on our Twitter page or you can simply Google FSF Awards and follow the links. You scroll down, tick the set piece menu box and vote. We are up against some significant overdogs, as we were saying last week. So we do really appreciate 
appreciate your help. We are standing by to be the plucky outsider that loses with great dignity and hopefully a significant uptick in metrics. Uh, so that's what really counts. The uh, deadline, by the way, November 19th, there is not long left to tell literally everyone you have ever met or will meet from now on until then. Uh, take their phones, Google FSF Awards, tick the box, and vote. Disclaimer, we are not advocating that you take anybody's phone. Uh, if we win, here's the thing, we will bestow upon anyone who can show that they voted for us with Buffalo status. Immediate Buffalo status. If mm. that's not an incentive, I don't know what is. Well, mon money, I guess. Money would be would be an in incentive. That's a lot of tattoo parlours that are suddenly going to have to be dealing with some Buffalo tattoos for mm. the recipients. Uh, please do get in touch with the podcast, not just with that, but with other things too, via at setpiecemenu on Twitter, setpiecemenu at gmail.com, and of course on Facebook, just search setpiecemenu. Right, um, let's dive in this section of the show. It's called the correspondence section, uh, with a couple of your cool team names, which I promised last week we would come to. Uh, remember, even better if they combine a rocking name with a tremendous kit and or wacky badge. Mm. That would be the triumvirate, the holy trinity of coolness. Um, Benjamin Wills says, um, re-great team names, specifically similar to the oxymoron Melbourne Victory, which we've discussed a lot on the programme. Uh, go ahead, Eagles, mm -hmm. says Benjamin, an average Dutch team who therefore go behind quite often. Uh, police Machine has been suggested by both <laughs> Chris Walker and Reese Griffiths. Very interesting story about Police Machine, by the way, regarding a couple of games in the Nigerian League. Um, and I think the top line of the BBC report is something like this. Plateau United feeders were 79-0 victors over Akerba FC, while Police Machine FC demolished Bubayaro FC 67-0. <laughs> there was a little bit of a concern um, at that point. Some corruption issues, I think. Um, and John Yearall is back in touch. You'll remember him from a while back. Steve Hugh and others, says John. I present Deportivo Wanker. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They are from Peru. The only yeah. team in the world where buying the full kit definitely makes you a full... Yes, you get the rest. Uh, he also says, assuming this gets read out, this is my second correspondence. Does that put me in Buffalo territory yet? If not, may I point out that I uh, left an incredibly positive and glowing review of your podcast on the iTunes store. Nearly there, John. Nearly there. There was a John last week. He had done four. You are only on two. Therefore, we've got a lot of work to do. Plus the review. People can send in correspondence. We'll decide, or you'll decide when they become buffaloes. Don't be saying, Don't be am I a buffalo now? That's just too needy. Too needy. Uh, although, um, uh, we do look very favourably on uh, lengthy and eye-catching reviews on the iTunes store. How do we get to the stage where TMSR, where we get sent cakes for favours? Well, Chinch has brought his own cake, so clearly we're well behind. <laughs> he can be a buffalo. Chinch, how do you feel about being a buffalo? Can I be a bison? No. Uh, you're built that oh. way, so yes. Um, and who you support and why is sub a subject that continues to prompt your correspondence. So thank you very much indeed for all your emails. We find them very moving, I must admit. Adam Richardson emails, Hello chaps. Having listened to the many wonderful stories of how your listeners came to support their teams, I thought I'd chip in with my somewhat absurd reason for supporting Arsenal. So many Arsenal mm. fans have strange routes to becoming a gooner. I was aged seven when I realised I needed a team to support and so did what I felt was a perfectly acceptable way of choosing. I came up with the following formula. My name. Adam, the first letter of my name, A, a team beginning with A, Astovit, Arsenal, the team I will now support, Arsenal, 28 years later and Arsenal are still my team despite growing up on the outskirts, 
of Brighton. I've been to many matches and even lived a short walk away from Highbury for a few years. I love Arsenal and that will never change. I now have a three-year-old daughter who has no current interest in football, but if and when the time comes, hopefully I'll be able to nudge her in the right direction. If that fails, then I'm hoping the fact that her name also begins with an A will seal the deal. I was going to say you should really, nudge, by nudging, nudge her in the right direction, she should take the same approach you took, which is essentially some sort of childish, simplistic, linguistic game. Well, it's worked. It worked for one but generation. It, Why wouldn't it work for the second generation? To be fair, Steve's sort of scowling, although that might just be his face. <laughs> the, the I'm, I'm scowling because I... I've only had half a piece of cake and I'm I'm wondering when my opportunity to have another half I'm just about to read along. an email out from Matthew Cox that Excellent. will be a good opportunity okay, for you to do that oh and by the way Chinch has just had a section of the one that I chose so he made all this big deal about you yeah. choose you choose you choose and now he's eating it he gave you your opportunity he did he did I, you, I'm trying to present a programme here. you spurned here. it. This then, from Matthew Ooh, Cox. Every, oh, right, I made mm. the right choice, did I? Mm. Will there be any left when I've finished no. off this email from Matthew Cox? No. Um, who is in Sarasota? Um, greetings from Southwest Florida, ah. says Matthew Cox. You see how I planned that? Mm. It really wasn't until the 2010 World Cup that I decided to morph from an every four years football fan into the kind of fan who not only consumes football podcasts, but produces them as well. Mm. Having been born and raised in the Tampa Bay area of Florida, it might seem natural to latch onto Man United, mm. as they are also owned by the family that owns the local NFL team, many will know. But I didn't want to go that route. I ended up choosing Liverpool for a variety of reasons. One, both my grandparents emigrated to Florida via Canada after originating from Edinburgh and Blackpool. This is a reason? Now, I could have picked clubs <laughs> from those towns, and Blackpool was in the Premier League at the time, but I like to imagine that they departed Europe from Liverpool four points west. <laughs> Massively tangential and tenuous, but well done. Number two, a really good friend was a lifelong LFC supporter, so I had someone to watch a match with. And three, a natural affinity for the social slash political views of the town. And four, did I say finally was three? Four, finally, my own local club, Tampa Bay Rowdies, Mm. was coming back to life after a hiatus with Paul Dalgleish as the coach and international scouting taking place at Melwood. Tampa Bay Rowdies, by the way, has to be a contender for great teams. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they could arguably move to play in the Nigerian or Ghanaian leagues. Yeah. Speaking of Tampa Bay Rowdies, mm. says Matthew Cox, I'd like to submit them for the list of mad names. <laughs> As the story goes, when the team was announced, ownership held a contest for fans to submit names and a local lawyer made a list of everything you could possibly call a soccer team and everything related to the Tampa Bay area then threw them out and chose something completely in the opposite direction. Yeah. Uh, so that's Matthew Cox in Florida. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Matthew. Setpiecemenu at gmail.com is our email address at setpiecemenu or facebook.com forward slash setpiecemenu. Have you all had enough chance to guzzle slices? Yeah, but what if you're rowdy? I presume it means rowdy, as in we know rowdy. What, what is what is that? It's a, just a, a, it's just a plural. <laughs> I just don't know what it means. Rowdies, it's odd. Do you not think it's odd? Is it is it buying into that that sort of perception? Ooh, maybe a bit of, naughty. you know the British football fan being a little mm. bit leery, like it? liking a scuffle. Is that what it means? Here and there. No, yeah. I presume so. Yeah. Our footy chat this week is about XG and packing. Wow. Those, by the way, are two different things and are relatively new concepts in the world of football analysis until Chinch found out about them. And not the kind of, <laughs> not the kind of football analysis you get post-match in a studio. Oh, no, but real analysis, the kind of Hinchcliffe level with numbers, charts, and very large ring binders. Uh, simply, uh, XG is expected goals. 
and considers the XGV, oh, come on. Everybody, which is... Everybody knows that now. All, you all always have to appreciate that there are new listeners, and those new listeners may be coming from all sorts of areas and different levels of expertise, and it's very important that one sets out the parameters of discussion before we begin it. Hugh, the reason that everybody listening knows what XG is... Is because is they, they anybody who <laughs> doesn't care about XG is already switched off. Hold on a minute, Steve. The co-commentators that you work with, would they all know about the XG tables. Hand on heart, would they? Because I, for one, can say that a lot of the guys that I work with <laughs> Poor Adam haven't a clue. Adam's excellent, by the way. He is Have you asked Steve a question when he's halfway through a rocky road? Yeah, yeah that's why I did it. Um, some of them would chinch, some of them wouldn't. <laughs> well, in that case, our audience... <laughs> that's no answer. Wait, what's the percentage? Would, oh, which is the scales of justice, which way are they tipping? Would most know about them and use seven, them? Use seven, them? 70% would be... Yeah, very familiar with the concept. Okay. So okay. for those That's 30% of Steve's co-commentators, XG is expected goals. XGV is what it considers, which is the extreme goods vehicle. It's not. It's expected goals value, uh, which is a value applied to every shot on goal, depending on proximity, the nature of the attack, where the defenders are, etc. Uh, packing is nothing to do with carrying weapons. Again, a value, but this time applied to passing and dribbling and how effective that pass or dribble is in taking out opposing defenders. Midfielders as well. Uh, Rory, because he is a cutting-edge hipster, as we have already noted because he was offended that I should define the terms of the conversation that we're about to have, has known about these things for ages. Chinch, because he's revolutionising the punditry industry, has discovered them recently as a way to inform his already fine work. Steve, because he has two young kids and only half a house, Googled them both this morning. Uh, so, Chinch, what fascinated you about packing, you big chunky packing, man? <laughs> I, I learnt about packing after I'd learnt about XG. Because what we're trying to do in the business is explain to the common or garden fan exactly what lies beneath the league table. Because fans do look at a league mm. table and that my team is good or bad because of the league table. But that's why XG is so, it's so good in showing the underlying performance of teams, which I think is what it's all about. And a lot of the guys that we work with clearly will just look at a league table and that means this team's doing well, this, that team's doing well. I say, yeah, but this team's down the bottom. They're actually playing consistently well but not getting results. Football is not all about results. It's how you're actually playing. And this all kind of stemmed from conversations I've had with Dean Smith when he was at Brentford because he had the Justice League when he was in charge of Brentford. <laughs> Why is that, 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 that what they called it? He called it the Justice League yeah. and he used to pin it up on the, on the wall of the dressing room to say to his players, look, this is, this is why we're doing what we're doing. They used to, they're in the top two or three of the, if you look at the performances over a certain amount of games or over a season, um, they were right up there in terms of their consistency. So he doesn't have pictures of Superman and Batman. Don't, why are you saying, I'm because, trying to be serious Because everybody knows that the Justice yeah. League is a serious he DC comic just, hero. It was his way of explaining, rather than say it's the XG table, a lot of the footballers might say, Dean Gaffer, what's that all about? Well, so they just said, this, the is just, this, is what, this is what we should be achieving. This is how we're playing, where we should be. So forget the league table. This is why we're doing This is why we're telling you to play in the way that we tell you. And, of course, it helps the players to see that actually, even though they're not getting the results, the way that they're playing is better than anybody else. And it is, and this season I've looked at it a lot because the Premier League looks quite a tight race at the top. The Championship is incredibly tight as well. So we're trying to differentiate and say, well, actually, is that a fair reflection on these teams and who is actually playing? better, who's creating more chances, who's denying the opposition more. So this is where it all stemmed from, really what's happening this season to try and kind of scratch the surface and see how these teams are actually, and then grade them in terms of their, their underlying performance. Would you like to take these two as a whole or would you like to talk about them individually and their relative value or because they provide 
Dean Smith with the Justice League yeah. and, a, and a different argument to make, we, we, we take them both together. Well, I think the pro- so that with all analytics, I think we have to be... We should probably outline from the start that XG and packing are two metrics that exist. There are various XG models. So, so it's okay for you to outline everything, but when I was doing it... Really, just slightly more detail here. <laughs> the, I don't think you need to... I think, I think XG has cut through enough now that people would would know what you're talking about when you say XG. I think that that's, that's a familiar enough concept and has become so over the last two or three years that people broadly know what it means. It's, it's a way of measuring how many chances and how, what, what quality of chances a team has had and taken or missed. Um, there is also, there's X, I think it's what they call it XGA, which is the assist value. Um, there's got XG conceded, which is the number of goals you should be conceding. And they give you a way, as Jim says, of seeing the underlying performance, whether teams are outperforming their, their XG or their XG conceded. The, the XGA is the um, goals allowed, yeah. and uh, XG is goals for yeah. XG. There you go. Um, and they, through, they're not, a, they're not, I sometimes think that they're, that they're, they're sort of harshly presented to, to sceptics, just, they're kind of, there's a bit of tension, I think, within football about how much we should pay attention to these sorts of numbers. And I'll be interested to find out if Chinch has in, encountered obstruction within the punditocracy mm. which he inhabits. Well, those traditionalists who say, I don't care about any of that waffle, I, yeah. I just, or whiffle. Or the only one, the only, worse than the only thing that counts is, is winning games and blah, blah, blah. I think that there is a tension there, and part of it is because the traditionalists don't like the idea that knowledge has been, is now more democratic and you can have a valid point of view on how football is played and who's playing well without being part of the kind of inner cabal. But I think sometimes the, the analytics evangelists don't necessarily help themselves because it, is, it can be presented as a universal truth that West Ham's XG is this, therefore they are playing this well, therefore this will happen, which isn't how... The, the, the true analy- analysts look at it that's not how they see it at all to them XG is a guide a part of a wider a picture because you don't know what will happen next week so West Ham could have a you know a brilliant XG thus far this season I'm presuming they don't but it might be that from next week they're terrible again you, it's not a it's not an attempt at clairvoyancy it's, no, it's not, looking at what's happened it's what's happened and what's seeing whether happen. you can discern a pattern yeah. within that and that's where it's really useful and relative as well to the actual facts so it's yeah. not just that in isolation it's the, the, the XG relative to the actual goals scored but there are different models of XG that take different things into account so some are more advanced than others some are more reliable than others none of them are perfect uh, packing is an individual metric that has been designed by one company, who are the only company, as far as I know, who record it, uh, which is a German company called Impact. I presume the misspelling of the word impact was deliberate. <laughs> this is uh, from Stefan Reinhardt. Stefan Reinhardt. the player who now... Or, or if it's an imperfect solution to what's going on oh, in yeah, the game. That's, maybe that's, that could be very clever, yeah. That would be the sort of wordplay the Germans love. <laughs> Uh, that is a measure of... of <laughs> that was a beautifully timed swallow. <laughs> Just to let that hang there. Yeah. That's a measure of how many players in... How many how many opposition players you bypass with a, with a pass or a dribble uh, that they think has a particularly high correlation as a guy to who will win games over the course of a season. That the teams with the highest packing metrics tend to do better than the teams with the lowest packing metrics. As a better metric, for example, than passes completion percentage, yeah. which could just be a goalkeeper to a right-back yeah. to a goalkeeper to a right-back. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But then there, there, there are lots of other types of metrics that teams use, that, that external consultants use, that kind of hobbyists and, and enthusiasts on social media use. These are, That is not the, the full gamut of analytics available within football. There are many, many others. Let, let's just use an example just 
in case there are any newbies to the XG world, of last season's finishing Premier League table, uh, because we are looking back, because it is to look back and not necessarily to predict. Um, But Manchester City had um, 106 goals. Their XG was 91 and a half goals. Mm -hmm. So what does that tell us about Manchester City last season? That statistic on its own. The quality of their finishing exceeded the quality of chances that was being created. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they were outscoring the mean that would have been expected from the situations that their goal-scoring opportunities came from. Or, that's, that's absolutely right. So good, good strikers, good finishes, quality yeah. up front. They scored more goals than they, were, than, they, than they should have been expected to. But the crucial thing is, according to that model, no one claims any of these models are perfect. So it could be that there is something about Man City that the models are not taking into account, mm-hmm. which explains their, the number of goals they scored. So in theory this season, although City's numbers, underlying numbers have improved, in theory this season, Man City should not score as many goals because they should regress in some way to the mean. Yeah. So instead of scoring 106, they should score 92, 93. Because that's how many they're creating. And again, Un- 92, or just under 92, yeah. was the XG for last season. So Unless there, you mean. there is something the model is missing. Or not taking sufficiently into, into account, or not weighting correctly. In which case, Man City will not regress to that mean, because they might be at their mean. You don't know. Yeah. Just, to, just to complete the, 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 the set of examples before we disseminate the information a little bit more. Uh, Manchester United, who finished second, their goals allowed was 28 but their xga was 43 and a half so that tells us david de gea they have a good goalkeeper yeah. Yeah. and and that's the other thing that could come into the the city equation in terms of outscoring what was expected is that goalkeepers happened to have a particularly bad yep. game against manchester city more often than they would have been expected to that that is all built into it and, and you know and as rory says the models aren't perfect, and that's why we shouldn't rely on them 100%. But they are really useful guides, aren't they, to add to what we can see with our own eyes mm. and the expertise of, of former players and, and high-quality pundits who are able to use tie all that together. Yeah, yeah he's looking at me. Chin, he is, chin, looking, he is looking at me. Well, only because you sat diagonally yeah. opposite me and I was just, my face was <laughs> there was, I wasn't. I wasn't having any eye contact with you. Just, just to finish off the, the set of examples, the biggest discrepancy of any of the mm. statistics... Um, between real and expected in expected goals, expected goals against and expected points, the biggest discrepancy was Manchester United uh, winning nearly 19 more points than their XG and XGA suggested. Mm. So the efficiency... Last season. Like, last season, this is. Manchester United won 81 points and the, all the statistics that this model promotes and uses suggested they would get 62 so mm. that, uh, that goes to show that there are some elements of some teams that perform particularly efficiently and that helps you to win points. And everybody will say that Manchester United had a pretty good season yeah. last season. So XG suggests that they had a better season than their uh, expected statistics yeah. would have suggested. Yeah. And, and that, that's why there are those you know, who, who trust and buy into this with sort of you know, a real militancy and believe that it's unlocking the door to the secrets of football that you know had, had remained hidden from view for so long and there are there are others who say okay right well you know almost let's drip feed this into our understanding of the game let's not just you know, and and I know for example that, that match of the day when they started um, using xg statistics during programs last season they didn't. They're used as graphics on screen rather than being referred to, and they're almost used to illustrate whilst they're showing 
Mm. So off, off the back of the highlights of the game, the analysis, whilst they're running the analysis in of the, the goals or the opportunities, that, that very often the XG statistics come in at that point. So they are a, a visual aid and addition to what you can see for yourself without it becoming too much a part of the discussion, which would perhaps be led to accusations that it was enforcing a point that may or may not exist. Yeah, it's really... It's, XG's a funny one. I find the, the whole debate around it almost false because you get this kind of sense that there's, there's these two these two opposing forces, one that, that that has found the truth, as Steve says, and one that does not want to hear that truth and is, is blind to it. But within clubs, I, I mean, I, I think most teams probably from top reaches of League, League One upwards would be using mm-hmm. some form of analysis, some better than others, yeah. so that it can feel at times like there's a culture war but to be honest that culture war has been won and is over and within football they're using it and the reason that maybe that's not quite bled through to the mainstream is because football clubs are so secretive about what they're doing they don't want to give any of their opponents any sort of um, insight into their method because they think they might be seen in a competitive advantage initially clubs were keen on using analytics for for recruitment because they thought it might be a way of doing due due diligence on players and I think that was that's probably still its main use but increasingly I think that they're using it for how they play for identifying certain areas in which they can attack teams or defend against teams or patterns there is that is the next step is working out how to how to measure work off the ball that's the big thing that they have a problem with generally and using it to influence how you play week in week out but there is still I don't know why I, I think it might be to do with with the a misplaced idea of creeping Americanization that people think that stuff like this is kind of that's baseball and American football that's that's where that sort of analysis should stay we don't want that in football you can't measure football it's it's so fluid everything's happening and totally ignoring the fact that most of football is waiting for a right back to take a throw in and <laughs> 67 not, not a left back he would have taken si- it very quickly six, yeah, yeah. Well, as, Good we, throw, long as we found out from last week mm. Andy Hinchliffe has a very powerful long powerful throw powerful long so much throw. so that in mm. what 50 60 words about Andy Hinchliffe you'd mm. make sure you'd spend 8 yeah. to 10 on that. I'd say yeah. that was a, that, that is a sixth of your personality, long throwing. But if, yeah. if, if managers still continually talk afterwards when they're thinking about their ability, the, you know, they've lost a game, but they had they created chances, and they're using base statistics to back up their points, which are, for example, but we had thirty shots on goal. We are saying, I think that the xG is a is a much more accurate reflection on somebody's position in a game, whether they. Yeah should have scored a goal or not. But managers, who I'm sure all have plenty of access to the XG material, touch of a button, are still using... Well, we had 30 shots on goal. Yeah, but that's because man, it's a, what XG would do would, would, is tell you that those 30 sh- shots on goal were all from 40 yards out. So you, your actual XG So why are they using low. that if they, value, they don't value that themselves? Partly it might be... Well, in that in that scenario, it's partly I, th- I think to do with availability, immediate availability in terms of between the pitch and the interview area. They may not yet have built in the idea they don't speak to the analyst to find out what actually kind of went on beneath the surface. One is that they um, managers will seek whatever makes them feel better. So if they've lost, they'll say, "Well, we had thirty shots." If they've won, they might say, "Yeah, we you know if you look at the quality of the chances we created, then we did deserve to win." But if you've lost two one despite having thirty shots on goal, you're going to be like, "Well." We had 30 shots on goal, so actually I did my job fine. It's the players that useless or the referee or whatever. So the person interviewing them who gets that answer should probably say, yeah, but what was your XG? Well, yeah, maybe not the XG, but you, you should... Well, the quality of those chances, you, you can't just like, say you had 30 shots, you should have won the game. Well, if, if none of them were on target, 
That's even a bigger or, criticism. Or, or none of them were in the box. <laughs> yes, exactly. So if you say, if yeah. the, the follow-up question to that would be, do you feel as though you broke into the box? You've got to be respectful. Yeah. Because but, yeah. there is yeah. an XG figure given to every game. So, for example, if some t- a team wins 1-0, the XG might be... 2.6, 1.2, yeah. or 0.8, even though they've got a one, and 1.3, yeah. even though they've got a nil. So it is, it is helpful to see, at least to that very uh, initial level, what what a team has managed a, in a, that game. A lot of the time, it's it's kind of conforming. This is this will this is the sort of statement that always gets me into trouble on Twitter with the analytics community. It's conform, it's confirming what we already kind of know with our eyes. So if you're a fan and you're watching yeah. a game you will have an idea of whether your team has wasted lots of good chances or taken the two great chances it, it created or only got a point as the midfielder smashed one in from 30 yards. You know that. That's yeah. watching football. What HG does is, I think 90% of the time, is probably tell you you are right to think that or wrong to think yeah. that. It gives a scientific value to that. And occasionally it will show, it will show you something that was happening that maybe you missed. Yeah, that's, that's exactly... We, we need to incorporate all factors, don't we? To, to come up with an answer answer to questions, you know, and I know some of the the people who feel as though XG has a place, but that we shouldn't rely on it wholeheartedly, sort of thing. Well, yeah, hang on a second. That is a great chance for Sergio Aguero. It's not such a good chance for Shane Long. Or well, can a, we just leave Shane Long alone? I'm just Why Shane Long? Or a penalty? It g- gives you an you know an XG factor of point nine. Unless it's being taken by Riyad Mahrez, yeah, yeah, and then exactly. it's an XG factor 0.5, but that doesn't uh, currently, as I understand it, doesn't necessarily come into the models. <laughs> Maybe some of the more is Riyad Mahrez taking the penalty? Is Riyad Mahrez taking the penalty? Well, it's not as good a chance as if Mario Balotelli was taking yeah. the penalty. But this is the kind of stuff that can help the likes of me and Chinch mm. do our jobs better, and I'm sure it can certainly help in terms of the kind of work that that Rory does in terms of giving you even more information to, to feel the... I don't know if improvement's possible, well, theoretically. You, you've, you've got your, your <laughs> XG on the your quality XG. of your work is very high. But, but Chinch, we started this conversation um, about Dean Smith. Yeah. So he has a Justice League of America up on the wall. It's not Justice League, Justice League of, of America. America. Justice League of America up on the wall. Yeah. And so he, he used it to motivate his team or did he want to give them a better understanding of where they were doing well so as to not just say look you deserve this you deserve that but actually to break it down so that they had a better understanding yeah I think what you're trying to do with players is not necessarily convince them but make them understand that the way the way that you play is effective even if you're not getting results that's the hardest thing for a player you come off playing well lose 1-0 you think well and fans might just look at a 1-0 scoreline and say that means we've lost we must have played badly so that's what coaches do. They take the result out of the equation. They look at the performance. They watch it again themselves. Then they might look at all the analytics and take it all into consideration. They don't just take one aspect and say, well, right, that's the full story. They do look at packing. They look at the, the XG. They look at everything and then actually watch the game again themselves to say, well, at the time I saw this, but this is actually what happened. And then he'll say that's the play. And he didn't put stuff up there that was completely false to try and fool the players because they're not that daft they would understand but it's the same is true this season with them they were probably arguably one of the best teams in the championship but the results haven't been going for them but their underlying performances have been incredibly consistent over 16 games I've seen them a few times I've seen Norwich as well and people think after I think it was 13 games Norwich had played and after 6 games the results hadn't been great suddenly after the next 7 games the results started to flow they won 5 and everyone said oh it's been a huge sea change after 6 matches there hasn't. They've been playing virtually exactly the same way for 13 games, but now the results are starting to flow for them. And people, again, you can get fooled into that. We were working on a, a game they played against Villa, and someone was saying, oh, it must be some of the managers done after six games, because suddenly they're starting to win. 
But no, that's when you have to start looking beyond that and say, what analytics could give me the best understanding of how Norwich are playing, what their philosophy is. Stuart Webber came across to, to Norwich from um, Huddersfield. So the philosophy was set in stone. That's why Daniel Farker was brought in. He was um, kind of um, handpicked by Stuart Webber to play this way, this philosophy. And again, that bleeds into all the players that they sign. And this is why they're having their success. They work very hard to build the philosophy at Norwich. But if you look at it, if you just look at the results, you can get duped into thinking, yeah, something looks to have changed. must have brought a centre forward or the coach must have changed. No. You have to look at everything over those 13 games. And they were incredibly consistent. And that's why they deserve to be, I think, second top of the table. What, one thing that interests me, though, with it is that people love statistics if it helps prove something that they already believe yeah. mm. or makes you feel better mm. about the situation you find yourself in. So to use that Norwich example, so all that time, Norwich would have been looking at the analytics and going, well, look, Okay, we're we're down in sixth, seventh in the table, mm -hmm. but our performances are at a level where we should be first or second. Yeah. So let's keep doing what we're doing yeah. because what goes around comes around. Are managers and and the people that do the analysis for them also brave enough to recognise that they might be sixth or seventh in the table, but are playing at a level which maybe they should be 13th or 14th. That's Sheffield Wednesday. And exactly they've got to the change something. To exactly the case with Sheffield Wednesday. They haven't changed and they've yeah. got worse and worse and worse. And yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's all well and good saying, lads, it's okay, there's the Justice League, we should be further up the table than we actually are. <laughs> but do you panic if actually those analytics are telling you you're performing above the level that you're playing at and you better do something to change quickly because otherwise once things start to level out, you're going to plummet well, That's why you have to table. start the change when things are seemingly going well because the underlying performance mm. means you are overachieving massively. And that's what happened with Sheffield Wednesday. They were in the top six. I remember I did a game, they played against Leeds and I watched them play and thought, this is not, how are they in set? And then you look at, again, they, they were ranking 14th, 15th, 16th. And the results recently have been absolutely disastrous. Their, their, their results are now reflective of their performances. Mm. And they're in a relegation battle now. And that is over the course of 16 games. That's not just six games they were brilliant and then suddenly they've dropped off. They have been consistently really poor. But wonder goals, Adam Reach was scoring goals yeah, from yeah, 25 yeah, yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the anomaly. They were actually winning games when really their performances, they should have been in the bottom three all season long. But they had these kind of flashes where brilliant goals were scored and it looked like they were doing a lot better than... But that's when as a coach, you put, that's when they can become really important. So actually... We're scoring goals here, we're winning games, we're getting points, but really we're underperforming massively. So isn't that the time when you would maybe change? That that's you forget what the fans fancy. Well, we're winning games, so don't change anything. Keep it as it is. But that's when a coach has got to say, well, actually, we're getting away with it here. We need to change something to give ourselves a, a, a better chance of being consistently good over the course of the season. Because if we don't change this, we're going to go. We're going to get relegated. It's a really good point, though, that whenever, whenever you write about teams overperforming or, or doing better than, than expected and when things like XG tend to come up it's for the teams who are who are doing something special and different and the best example of, of someone who, who consistently outperforms XG is Lucien Favre the Dortmund coach whose teams right back until and right back to yeah. Gladbach which would be five or six years ago now maybe more actually um, time flies doesn't it when you're watching the Bundesliga <laughs> the, um, or you're just old they have they always outperform yeah. Statistics. Favre has this ability to, to outstrip what he should be doing. And strictly speaking, you should look at that and think, well, this, all right, that's not that Lucien Favre is a magician. That is that there is something that's not being measured. It was the same with Burnley for two years, that Burnley were massively outperforming defensively. They should have been conceding a lot more goals because, to an extent, it wasn't the only reason, but to an extent, because a lot of the models for goals conce XG conceded 
didn't take into account the fact there were permanently 11 Burnley players in the box, which meant that every shot was coming through a thicket of legs and getting deflected out everywhere. And also, none of the models could model for, understandably, Ben Mee's willingness to throw himself at stuff yeah, there isn't a metric for that. The there's no, there's no the metric floor. for bravery. <laughs> well, I think there probably, I suspect there is a metric for bravery, but I th- there wasn't a metric for insanity. Which is what <laughs> Tarkovsky and me did. And, I was, I was and, trying to be generous to Tarkovsky. If, w- if you look at their from from last season when they finished seventh, of course, yeah, both both the x points and the xga are wildly better than what yeah. what was expected. So you could. So I wrote about Burnley last year and said, look, this is they, they are doing something different and we need to respect that. And there were people in the analytics community who sort of said, no, they're not. They will get found out and they will regress to the mean. And it looks like this season they have regressed to the mean. I would question how much that's regressing to the mean when they pulled it off for two years. They, yeah. they did this for two years. There is no reason to think that this season could be the, the anomaly and then next season they might be able to do it again. But the... It's interesting that you only ever think about the teams who outperform it, because that's why Dean Smith can have his justice league. Yeah, yeah. Is there is there a manager in the football league who is pinning a piece of paper up to the wall every Monday saying, "Look, lads, we're eighth, but we really should be seventeenth. <laughs> you're getting away with this, lads. <laughs> no, but actually, there comes but, a point when yes, if you're being a, a professional, that that is the that's whole what point. You, have to do, yeah. Yeah. You've got, you should be saying, "Look, hold on a minute. If we've got to, we've got to sort this. Out. I can't tell you these things. You, you've got to. And they must know them. Players aren't daft. They know yeah. they're not playing well and they're not creating chances, giving goals. It's obvious to them, but then that's when I think you have to do it more yeah. than ever because players will will take it because it, it is actually happening this is how you're playing I'm not making this up yeah. this is as close as, as accurate as we can be in terms of your performance and we're getting away with it so we need to change something if you want to be in a relegation battle we'll carry on doing this shall yeah. we yeah, the players are saying no just the same way absolutely yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I think there's quite a lot of fans that would take issue with the fact Chinch, that you're suggesting that players know what's going on on the football pitch because um, a lot of the time the fans do. think they, ever so slightly differently may, maybe it depends who you're watching which team and which player you're watching. And how many of the left-backs are thinking about what they're doing for Chinese? Why don't bring left-backs into it? Don't bring left-backs left in. Why left-backs? It doesn't have to be left-backs. You, you're they're the doing. only left-back we know who's Do ordering you, Chinese when you were when you were bored. I wasn't ordering Chinese. Chinese. I was thinking about ordering Chinese. Is there a metric for that? When you were... <laughs> Ex- expected Chinese. <laughs> yeah. no, it, ex- expectedly drifting off into a daydream about what they're going oh, to choose goal. on the menu. <laughs> Would you have, as a player, would you have been, do you think you'd have been open-minded towards this stuff? Uh, well, it's easy to say yes now, but at the t- because sometimes you're shining a light on things that you don't want to be made uh, public in front of the other players. And a lot of, it did happen a lot when you made mistakes. It was kind of, well, we're not mentioned that because it's quite embarrassing. But now, surely with all this going on and all the media coverage and everything else and how and much analysis there is, you can't really get away with anything so surely modern players will be will know all about this surely they'll know all about this they'll I'm sure presented to in them, terms, yeah, in terms of their coaching in terms of the classroom stuff that they will do it'll all be up there and if you can say well I, I think I've covered whatever kilometres in a game well no you haven't because we can actually tell you that you haven't so you have to shine a light and say that's where you need to improve and we all need to improve in different areas when you were um, you know drifting off into your reverie about Chinese food very occasionally only every Saturday afternoon there was that yeah. moment where you went oh it's a goal did you then say to yourself I didn't expect that I didn't expect that, but then <laughs> that Fu Young later will be delightful. It's really annoying that he was daydreaming about um, Chinese and not Indian, because obviously if he'd been daydreaming about Indian, he could have had XG. Oh, oh wonderful, wonderful stuff. What you wonderful don't know, everybody, is stuff. that we had a 20-minute pause, which <laughs> yeah. we ended up just whilst we were when, when did this first come to prominence? Has it, has it, obviously, they must have improved it and tweaked, like you say, about defenders in the way of shots. Are they constantly looking to tweak this and get it more and more, yeah, and more the model, accurate? the models are getting better and better. How, how long has this been... I think you say it's been in operation? I think the, the first ones probably have been around for... I, probably, I don't know, I've probably been aware of it for 
six to eight years, which means okay. they probably started doing it ten to twelve years ago. Okay. And we'll 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 finish by talking about packing because we mentioned it at the beginning, but we've only just cursorily mentioned after that. That is a slightly more uh, modern. Yeah, uh, concept. Been around about three years. With three or four years old, um, and it essentially it describes the the value applied to a raking 70 yard diagonal from Andy Hinchcliffe. Yeah. So if you are bypassing players, bypassing who, the press, all the press, all the yeah. press. So yeah. if 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 I'm passing to you, Andrew, and Rory is a defender between us, yes. I pass to you successfully. Yeah. I get a value. You both get a value. We get we both get a value of yeah. 0.1. I think it is if we take out one. No, one. Is it actual one, one rather than 0.1? So you get a value of one, and clearly if you do that, it it, it accumulates. Um. So what is the particular application of packing apart from to, after the fact, say, oh, that was good? So in my understanding, packing is, is a little bit more after the fact. HG does have kind of a predictive quality to say, if you keep on playing like this, then, mm. then this will happen. Packing is much more a, a way of assessing players' usefulness on the pitch. Which will help with scouting, it helps with uh, Scouting, but also performance review for a team. So Chinch was talking about the, the crucial thing being that a manager, when things are when things are not going well, but look like they are going well, a manager having the courage to say, things are not going well, we've got to change. Packing, I guess, its use is in not just in telling you who's doing really well, it's saying this midfielder is not pulling their weight. I feel as though Packing is best used for midfielders. I might be wrong on that. So, for example, if you've got a Kevin De Bruyne pass that yeah. bisects a two centre-backs and it goes inside the full-back and, and somebody, a winger gets on the end of it, pulls it back and scores a goal, That that is a... a De Bruyne gets four. He gets four. Yeah. So you take three or four players out, yeah. out of the game. And yeah. so he's a good example. If he plays one of those balls that everybody goes, oh my God, what vision, what incredible ability. And he's cut the defence open. Yeah. That gets you a high packing yeah. value. But, yeah, yeah. but what yeah. doesn't get you a high packing value? An HPV. Value where it, where it, <laughs> don't, don't use that. What, what doesn't get you an HPV is that pointless 60-yard switch of play across the back line. That doesn't get you, does it, you're not taking players out of the game. You're just passing the ball for the sake of it. Packing came about because one of the, as more and more statistics are getting used in football, and I'm welcome, I welcome criticism or uh, being set right on this, that a lot of the, the numbers, that the basic numbers that we use don't actually mean anything. So pass completion, as Chint said, defend the pass yeah. into a goalkeeper, one, two, one, two. That's 100% pass completion, woohoo, aren't I brilliant? It means nothing. It's not a measure of... of um, of how well you've played, they've noticed that the be- the best players tend to have quite high vertical passing rates. So Xavi and Iniesta played a lot of five yard passes, mm-hmm. but not side to side. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was this, all this forward. This is what Pep Guardiola will tell you: yeah. the difference between tiki taka and the way that he tries to play. That you are cutting through, you're taking players out. Packing, the lines. packing is a way of gauging how many players you're taking out of the game. And the theory is that the more players a team takes out of the game the more likely they are to win, which suggests that if you kind of reverse engineer it, that if you can play a game which takes lots of players out of the game, then you are more likely to win. So it's a measure almost of assessing who played well, who played badly, and I guess being able to tweak your strategy from that. To to encourage those kind of passes because they have a bigger effect. We will play midfielder X over midfielder Y Mm -hmm. because even though midfielder X's pass completion stats are, are not as good, he is creating more difference through his, his packing metric and he is taking more players out of the game. Thus, he's doing more damage. Something that Chinch and I have talked in between the drive through Starbucks on the M6 at Kiel Happy and days. the Krispy Kreme I donut stand a, at the yeah. M40. Drive through Costa. Yeah. No, it's drive through, oh, no, not drive through Costa. Drive through Starbucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Other yeah, yeah. coffee places that, pay, know, that no, pay suitable tax bills are available. I think the 
pretty much cover them all. We did we? do sit-ups <laughs> in the car park yeah. as well in between, though, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We need to fill the, the, yeah. the long you, miles of road ahead of us. Do you both have your own non-recyclable crop? That you take with you, we would be expected to do so, but the reality is, you have a water. You have that, that water. Yeah, that's Christmas sorted. Let's go the water. Oh yes, yes. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. 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 Menu branded. Yeah. Excellent. Good Zeppi's thinking. Menu branded. Good. That's a good way of spreading the message. Actually, isn't it? Branded. Zeppi's if you're handing branded. those over, yeah, at generic coffee shop chain, <laughs> yeah, uh, tills, then you're really you're, you're getting the message out about set piece menu. Aren't you? We we think though, change, don't Zeppi's we? Menu that Zeppi's what we do. And the way that football is shush now. <laughs> Presented Children. on. Sorry, do you not want to tell a story television. about how you and Ginger are really good friends? <laughs> no. <laughs> is that, um, do, you, do you need us to leave a gap for you? Is it. Us, we can actually again, help. You know, about the driving. <laughs> I just simply have a recollection that we, we have had this conversation and yeah, I was yeah. back yeah. referencing to it. Tell me more, Steve. Well, we think. He's we told think you already. We think, Chinch. Yeah. From did. those many journeys we mm. take together where you cement your friendship <laughs> that that gradually this can help live television in mm. terms of watching football on TV because the, that actually XG is would be a more useful thing to see on the graphic than shots yeah shots off target or sh- even shots on target because if those are from 30 yards and they've trickled harmlessly into the goalkeeper's hands is it immediately generated it, it can be they're tracking it straight right. yeah yeah, that 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 would actually be a much more useful talking point at half time yeah. than saying, "Oh well, you know, Burnley are out shot, out shooting Leicester by you know three shots on target to two, so they're unfortunate to be behind." Mm. But I say if if you can start coming up with the the quality of those chances or the quality of the passing rather than just you know what the possession stats are, that actually that will start giving us a much clearer indication mm-hmm. during at half time after a game of of the balance of play. The, have we got our beep ready? Um, I can... Hang on a second. Go. Possession stats are bullshit. <laughs> and it, it amazes me that people haven't clocked onto this, that that not not just that one team is always going to have more of the ball than the other. That's kind of how it works. But we all know that it's not a guide to... Success. Who's, not even success, but who's playing better? You can play well on 30% mm. possession it's using the same and way. badly on 70%. Yeah, 70% of possession and we lost 1-0. Well, it doesn't matter. Where what you, what we do where you have the yeah. ball, yeah, yeah. what you do with it. That's, like, I don't, I don't That's understand more of a criticism how, if you have that amount of the yeah. ball lose. It's, it's <laughs> I, terrible. I don't understand why managers have managed to kind of... Managers and, and pundits and journalists, and to an extent probably fans... Stick with this idea that oh well, we had lots of the ball so so we deserve to win. You clearly didn't deserve mm. to win. If your plan is to have thirty percent of the ball and score goals, and you have thirty percent of the thirty percent of the ball and you score goals on the counter, then you have played well. There is no never before in football have we equated having lots of the ball with deserving to yeah, win. Yeah, yeah. I I would like to do a future pod on this deserving to win element. So we'll mm. we'll, we'll part that because it, it it plays a part because analytics obviously serves to uh, illustrate it slightly better than just deserving to win on. Mm. Base, I say it again, base entry level statistics. Um, but we will uh, we will end it there for two reasons. First of all, it's getting dark. Mm. Second of all, Chinch uh, made a sign to me earlier that said that he needs to go soon. Yeah, that's what that sign meant. Yeah. Did yeah. you give the universal radio sign for wrapping things Wrap it up? up. Something, something, early, similar, Steve, something similar. I've just thought of a third thing. He uh, yawned. We're yeah. recording this on a laptop, and yeah. the laptop currently has 7% battery. Oh, yes. Wow. Do the sort of story fast. <laughs> yeah. So, Chinch, with that in mind, bearing in mind that those three things are very important, including one thing which is very much based on you, mm. it's time for... Never mind, Jack and Ori. Oh, I, hope we, I hope we did something to help 
the general analytics yeah. discussion. We haven't necessarily furthered it, but hopefully we've introduced it uh, to some people who uh, had a cursory knowledge, but not necessarily a great knowledge. Yeah. I include myself in that as I do in pretty much every subject that we I discuss. hope that anyone with a great knowledge wasn't listening, we're probably wrong about most of it. <laughs> it's time for Nevermind Jack and Ori, what a soccer story. This is when Andy tells the tale from his playing days with all adult behaviour and little level where the details removed. I did, I, as you probably know, I have retired from the beautiful game when for many when, years when now. And, um, Sky, when did you retire? 2002. I've actually okay. been retired as long as I played. That's quite sobering, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's quite sad. Oh. Anyway, I was asked to do um, a piece to camera for Sky about the Batman City moving from Main Road, mm. where my glory days were, to the Etihad Stadium and all the big changes at Man City. So we turn up at, uh, it's now a, it's all housing, it's a housing yeah. estate now, isn't it? I think there is a, a house that was called the Hinchcliffe. I think we may have discussed it's a, it's this a in block. the past. It's a block of flats yeah. called the Hinchcliffe. Four, yeah. four sides, and they're each named after, I think there's four, yeah. four buildings, uh, each named after a city legend. Yeah. And um, Bell the only Troutman. one who gave them <laughs> Bell Troutman, <laughs> the Hinchcliffe, that type of thing. <laughs> is there so really a block of... Yes, there is a block there's of... There's a Hinchcliffe building. Yeah, Hinchcliffe I building. thought it was a style of house. Oh, is it style of house? I thought it was yeah. a block of flats. The left hand no. side, the left hand side of it was much stronger than the I right. I think there's a bungalow, but it kept, cr- it kept crumbling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it kept falling away on the right hand side. But anyway, so um, yes, so they, there's a Ben Ransom, who's one of the, who's one of the guys. Sky Sports News reporter. So yeah, he, so he turns up, and we've got a cameraman as well. So Ben says, rather than me just ask you questions about all this, why don't why don't you actually do it? You know, down the barrel. Down the barrel. You you do it or yourself. You hang use on a piece okay. of camera and down, down the, the barrel. barrel. So again. He says this will be great. So it's basically your personal experience of this, you know, what it was like when you first turned up at Main Road. So cameraman's there. So we, we do the first bit of walking down the street and then turn the corner. And my, my kind of mock shock that the fact Main Road isn't there anymore, even though clearly I knew it was gone. So anyway, so yeah, so we get... 2003. <laughs> oh, you stumble over your words. So it takes probably four or five takes. So we're backwards and forwards filming. So we do all that. And then we go over to the 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 new... Etihad campus and all this type of stuff. So we're doing some filming there. Are you surprised again, that's there as well? I'm surprised. It's really, really impressive. <gasps> oh like, where did this happen? Where did this this works last time I looked. Extraordinarily good. So again, same cameraman. Ben's over there. Do it all again. So we must have run through this thing. There's this probably about a 30 second spiel about the you know the women's fantastic set for the women's stadium and then all the training pitches and all the young kids can see all the first team training and blah 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 and all the all the way that they two the sets of changing rooms the kind of all interconnected. It's all this connected. Again, you, you get it wrong, get it right. And then, so we ended up doing it probably six or seven because that's the way it goes. And that, so I've been with it virtually all, probably at least half a day. We've probably been together five or six hours. Oh, at the end of it all, it's a tough day, been down the mines. <laughs> and he telling stories it, about the time you spent together as at well? At the end of it. But uh, <laughs> the stories I was talking main room was about the 5-1 and all the guys scored this goal and everything else. At the end of the, the shoot, the cameraman said to me, did you play for City? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, we just what? We just spent. You mean down the barreling? Down the barreling? Did you play for City? Have you not been listening to the six hours worth of stuff we've just. That's what he said to me. And I. Th- yeah, and I had to kind of explain myself. And he's got, oh, we had a good career then. <laughs> I just explained it all. I've just explained it all to my, my glory moment. There's like the the uh, the old centre circle yeah, is there, in yeah. the middle of all the housing, and there's there's a centre. I saw us telling the story about the pitch and Stan Gibson. The gra- he was filming it. Surely he must have been listening to it. Just thought you were a historian. But then at the end of it, he said, "Wait a minute, you play? Did you play for City? It's nice that you made such no. an impression, though, wouldn't it?" Yeah. <sighs> that might be the most cameraman thing that has ever happened. Unbelievable! I, I, but I, I, what are you going to say when someone says that? Yeah, did, how many games did you play? Did you, you did all right, did you? Did you not hear about my match <laughs> Derby goal? Five, oh right, sorry. You must not have been listening. You must yeah. have been just filming grass. 
and buildings and not listening to the amazing stories that was coming. And it was when it, you should have seen it, it was brilliant. It was two and a half minutes of gold. Can we watch it? Uh, Will it be available on the It went internet? on somewhere. I don't know, maybe on YouTube or something. But just think, when that camera is on me, just think of the cameraman who clearly didn't realise <laughs> the legendary celebrity soccer player he had in front of him. And it just, I couldn't believe when he put the camera. Did, did, did you play then? <laughs> no, I just made it all up. Someone told maybe, me the stories. Maybe Chinch, you were such a polished performer. He cannot believe that you had a career before television. Oh, because that was so natural. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah that'll be yeah. it. That, that's probably it. I would love to hear more, but we're on 5%. So thanks, Andrew. Uh, we leave you with a reminder of how to get in touch. That is at setpiecemenu on Twitter or setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Facebook.com forward slash setpiecemenu is where we are as well. Please subscribe, share, rate, review, and of course, vote. One more reminder, please vote. We humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. We also humbly ask you to vote. Please vote for us, FSF Awards. Just Google FSF Awards. Uh, thank you to Steve. Rory and Andy and to you all for listening uh, we'll be back with another set piece menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed we are welcomed we've, by the we've timed that well Whittington yeah. Smiths does Ed, Ed and Kate are back what, is, what are the chances that we should finish at a time that is actually suitable to any of our families well we'll find, it, we'll find out if it's suitable or not later <laughs> alright okay. did you say Citizen Smiths no Whittington Smiths Whittington oh Whittington Smiths Whittington Smiths okay, sorry Smith. I thought you said Citizen Smiths I, d- um, did sh- I, I wonder if I should Google to find out what your house looks like whether it's kind of five foot eight quite wide tattooed uh, to within an inch of his life and has super dry curtains I just I was that would be amazing bar- how can you have the Troutman the bell <laughs> the, come on the come on that sounds like come on someone, someone is joking a little bit really I think it's, oh, it sounds like worse. the developer uh, was a City fan with a particular... Or, or, a or <laughs> you know who the architect was? Oh, yes, my <laughs> next-door neighbour. It, it could have been, been well-known architect Dave, Dave Jones. Jones. Could have been. That's a set-piece menu back reference. Look at that, yeah. was, well, by the way, for listeners from way back when, uh, Dave, uh, Dave Jones, yes. it, I've forgotten his name already, so insignificant he is now, he has... Successfully sold his house? Has no, he moved no, he's on? still on the market. Are we still, still on the market? market? Yep, so if anybody's interested in uh, living next door to Andy Hinchcliffe, all you need Which to is do is find out where that is. Just imagine the laughs. And uh, buy that and you get to share lawnmowers. No, that's not going to happen with the new neighbours, clearly. I only do it for Dave because he's such a nice guy. There's no way I'm just passing Why a lawnmower. Why is he moving away if he's such a nice guy? That's my big issue. Uh, it's a family situation.